Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a fantastic week. I don't know about you, but I I still have that post-event hangover right now coming out of UFC 259. Like normally it lasts Sunday, maybe Monday, and then we're kind of on to the next card. Normally it doesn't last this long. Normally it fades away, but uh, so much happens and continues to happen and continues to be discussed and it's just crazy. But uh, that reminds me, it's Thursday right now. We had a little shuffle up this week in terms of the schedule. We did Between the Links on Tuesday this week. Moved this show to Thursday. We'll go back to normal next week. But like I said, UFC 259 was wild. So many storylines. Everyone's still talking about what happened, especially in the Bantamweight title fight between Piotr Jan and the new champion, Aljamain Sterling, the disqualification. We've hit that from so many different angles here on the website. Our own Gear May Cruz spoke with Piotr Jan's coach. I spoke with Aljamain Sterling's coach, Eric Nixick, over at Extreme Couture. You can go back into the archives and check that out. Really fascinating stuff from his perspective since he was there. He watched it all go down, and that was the first time he was in the corner of Aljamain Sterling. So really interesting perspective. Go check that out. And then Damon Martin spoke with Aljo himself. And I know Aljo's sort of done the media rounds and he's done other interviews, but and I might be biased, but I'm, I'm serious. I've watched all of them so far. Anything that's been out there since Saturday, this one with Damon is the one to watch. Trust me, like no disrespect to those other guys and those other reporters, but uh, Damon got more out of Aljo than anybody else. There's a long relationship there. There's a comfort level, if you will, between the two of those guys. This was something else. Well over a 30-minute conversation, and it was amazing. Aljo opened up like... Like, never before, if we're being honest. But uh, we also broke down all the major storylines on the post-fight show, on Between the Links, on to the next one for the future stuff. But uh, we're going to dive into more of UFC 259. 
some of the under the radar moments as well on the show this week. So let's get right into this. Let's run down the lineup. We'll get to our first guest. I think you guys will will really enjoy this episode. We're going to wrap things up with Tim Elliott, who got a big win over Jordan Espinoza on Saturday at UFC 259 from a skills perspective, from a mixed martial arts perspective. I thought this was Tim Elliott's best performance overall in his entire career. Of course, it wasn't the story. The victory wasn't the the thing on everybody's minds when the, the fight came to its conclusion. I think you all know what happened by now. We'll talk a little bit about that in the conversation, but it's a really interesting interview, really interesting chat with Tim Elliott. The, the relationship he has with James Krause, that the trust he has in him is just unbelievable. Um, I, I really think you're going to dig uh, this interview and what he's looking at next, especially what he's looking at next. There's some exciting stuff that, that's on his mind in terms of the future. One person who was watching the Bantamweight title fight at UFC 259 very closely was Rob Font, the number three ranked Bantamweight in the world. He's road tripping down to Philadelphia. One of his fighters is competing for CFFC later on today, as a matter of fact, on Thursday on UFC Fight Pass. So I wanted to get Rob's take on what happened in the Bantamweight title fight. Aljamain Sterling becoming the new champion, what he thought of everything and where he fits into this puzzle. You'll hear that conversation a little bit later on. Sean Brady got himself a big win on Saturday. He remains undefeated. He's four now in the UFC, submits Jake Matthews in the third round. Biggest win of his career, big statement win for the Philadelphia native. And now he's in the top 15 at 170 pounds in the UFC. We'll get his thoughts on that, the fight, what he's looking at next and more. A lot of interesting options could be on the table for one Sean Brady. Dan Ige returns to action this Saturday at UFC Vegas 21. Takes on Gavin Tucker. First fight since the loss to Calvin Cater on Fight Island in July. Second opponent for this card. As you recall, he was supposed to fight Ryan Hall before Hall suffered an injury. And uh, also his last fight before becoming a dad. So we'll hear from Mr. 50K himself in around 25 minutes. But I wanted to bring back one of our favorite guests, one of our favorite people, and get her perspective on the major storylines that happened on Saturday night in Las Vegas at UFC 259. So let us kick off what the heck this week with Laura Sanko. All right, UFC 259 still at the forefront of our minds after Saturday. A lot transpired and here to discuss it all is somebody who is in Las Vegas this past Saturday. Happy to have Laura Sanko back on the show. Laura, welcome home. How are you? I'm good. I'm still exhausted. That was a really fun, wild, wild night with a lot of fights. But uh, yeah, happy to be home for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have you here. To, to Obviously, there's a lot to discuss. But before we get into specifics, you know, this was a big one. Like you said, there were three title fights, 15 fights total, some great performances, some unfortunate things along the way. But overall, if you're looking for an event to, I guess, invoke emotion and create conversation in the aftermath, this one provided that and much more, did it not? Oh, in spades. There was controversy. There was dominance. There were, re, you know, razor close fights. Uh, it, this card had a little bit of something sprinkled in there for everybody. So, yeah, it was it was a good night for sure. It was capped off by Jan Blachowicz, who hands Israel Adesanya his first professional MMA loss. He remains the light heavyweight champion of the world, came in at about a two to one underdog, used a wrestling and heavy top game down the stretch to get it done. I thought the scoring was a little bit off in terms of the numbers, but I thought the right guy won the fight. Do you agree with that? 
I completely agree with that. Um, and that's the right way to put it, too. The the right guy won the fight. Jan Bohovic clearly, especially uh, those last two rounds, secured it with all the top time. And I do, if I'm trying to remember right, it's a little bit of a blur. I think it was round two where he had another really, uh, a really good showing in that round. Izzy was in the fight, clearly, but the big question going into that fight was, is the weight going to be a factor? And the answer is yes, especially when it comes to those grappling exchanges. And, you know, I know Israel Adesanya is good on the ground and he was very excited about his purple belt. And I'm sure he knows his way around, but Jan Bohovic is a black belt. He is so fundamentally sound and he's a big dude. I mean, it was funny to hear, uh, I think Dana made a comment. He's like, well, you know, Izzy's taller. Izzy might be taller, but Jan Bohovic, I'm telling you, I've stood next to them. He is just a broad, thick, strapping man. <laughs> so uh, I, I do think that that played a big role in it. It was, it was a good fight, though. I mean, and while it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't necessarily uh, on the edge of my seat every single second, it was like watching a really, really violent chess match. And there's something pretty cool about that. It was one of those things where, I mean, obviously the story was seemingly built around Adesanya and his chance at history. Blahovic continues to play the dog role to perfection, but considering what happened in the Bantamweight title fight, which we'll get to in a moment, I've said this before, I feel like the MMA gods, who can be very evil at times, yes, I think they came around with some good karma at the end of the night because we got a competitive main event. Bohovic gets the biggest win of his career. Adesanya took the defeat like an absolute legend. Yes. So both guys' stocks rose, in my opinion, and Glover Teixeira, at 41 years of age, is going to finally get his title shot. So it seemed like everything played out as good as it could have, didn't it? Doesn't it just feel good when the right guy wins and the guy who doesn't win still feels good about how he did and is still so classy and, you know, you're still going to want to watch him fight next time he fights. And then, like you said, the right guy is next in line. It's kind of, this rarely happens in MMA. And it's, it is, it's just kind of a feel good story all around. Like, and, and I think you, you nailed it again. I mean, Israel Adesanya, in my opinion, took that loss the perfect way. I've always appreciated how Conor McGregor hands, handles his losses, and I feel like Israel did the same thing, to go out there, to talk, to be open about it, and he's right. I mean, you can't... You gotta try, right? You can't fault someone for trying. To try at greatness and not succeed at it in your first attempt is totally fine, right? I, I can't wait to watch him continue to dominate the middleweight division. But I do believe, I really do believe that he could potentially take another stab at light heavyweight with the right opponent, the right situation, and he might approach it differently. It was a, it was just a good way to wrap things up. Adesanya is going to go back to 85. Things are really interesting down there. And then before all that one, ha all that went down, co-main event, Amanda Nunes defends her title against Megan Anderson. Of course, you and Megan have been tight for a long time. She gets her first opportunity to become a world champion. It didn't go her way. Can I, can I just ask what Saturday was, was like for you on that end? Cause I know you've had friends and teammates fight a a quite a few times. In fact, it happened earlier in the night with Tim Elliott. But what was going through your mind on Saturday when it came to Megan's fight with Amanda? W was it difficult for you? You know, it's really not. I mean, it it I shouldn't say that. It's always it's always extra <laughs> when you're watching um, a teammate fight. But I know that she had put in the work. She had done everything she could to be prepared for that fight. And you know, when when I'm working a fight night, I, I'm very much in that mode of like, 
I'm watching the fight to report on it and, and all of those things. So it's not, I don't know, it's not overly emotional for me, but it, it is, you know, there's always, there's always that little something extra there for sure. And, you know, Tim Elliott, probably even more so, cause he and I, he used to be one of my train, my main training partners. So, um, that one probably even actually had a little extra spice on it. You know, Megan, Megan prepared and she did what she needed to do. And I know that she'll be back. A lot was made on social media about Megan's body language heading into the building. And that was something I thought about as well. But when she made the walk to the octagon, I mean, she looked ready to go. She had that look in her eye like she wasn't just there to paraphrase Conor McGregor to take part. She was there to win win a championship. It didn't obviously work out that way as Amanda Nunes did what Amanda Nunes has done so many times before. But yeah. were you kind of seeing the chatter about the body language walking into the building and people yeah. reacting to it? I think what people don't realize is that a lot of times those arrival shots are taken two and three times. Like, and I want, I think that happened with hers, um, where she walked in for real and then the camera crew didn't quite catch it right. And so they had her do it again. And, uh, yeah, it didn't look good, but I think honestly what you saw on her face was more annoyance <laughs> than anything <laughs> like, uh, you know, like, can I just please get to my goddamn locker room and warm up, you know, like I, that part of it. Um, I understand why people thought that and they're not wrong, but I, I think that there was more to it than maybe people realized. I think it was the second time she had to do it. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine like, you know, they're there and you're like, okay, I'm ready. And then we, Oh no, we got to do it but again. Yeah, no, we got to do it again. Out of the building and, and just come in and pretend it's the first time again, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah it's got to be super frustrating when you're preparing to fight freaking amanda nunes of all people and you know to kind of watch what amanda has done in her career now she's now she's a mom dual champ all-time legend in the sport like for you specifically like you went from fighter to broadcaster what has that been like for you to see what she has done for the sport and, and for women anywhere everywhere honestly it's amazing it's truly truly amazing and it was funny because i was i was having this conversation with my husband and he said, you know, I remember because uh, she and I fought on the same card and in Invicta. And she's like, he said, I remember seeing her, you know, sitting on a bench in this where we fought Invicta back in the day was this shitty old building in Kansas City, Kansas. And, you know, especially back then, there's not media. There's nothing fancy about it. Right. Like it's Invicta has always been super special, but. They don't have the UFC budget, so it feels more regional uh, MMA-ish. And she's sitting there and, like, doing her thing. And and you got to remember, too, like, Amanda Nunes was not the GOAT when she was fighting back in the day. So, to me, that makes her ascension so much more special. She, she had ups and downs. She's lost to the Sarah Delelios of the world. So, for her to pick herself up, dust herself off— and really becoming into her prime at, I think she's 32 um, or maybe 30, I can't remember now, but early 30s, to be coming into her prime at this stage of life, to be a mom and just literally be on top of the world is so, it's just so freaking cool. And honestly, I, I've she's a wonderful human being. Like what you see of her in her interviews, what you see of her on her Instagram or whatever it is, is her. She is as wonderful a person as she comes across, so genuine, so caring, and I just could not be happy, happier for her to continue to dominate these two divisions. It, it makes the future interesting, but I'm, I'm thrilled that she is kind of the one holding the flag these days because it just couldn't be held by a better person. 
So what do we do with Amanda Nunes now, Laura? That's the question, because Juliana Pena has been very vocal. She wants the opportunity. She was supposed to fight Holly Holm. Reports are out that that fight is now off. You know, Juliana looked great in her last fight. The only woman in the top five right now on a winning streak is Yana Kunitskaya. So you also have Jermaine Duran me, who submitted Pena last year. And I spoke with Jermaine after that submission. She said she wants to fight Nunez one more time. And if she goes in there, fights her and loses, she's done. She yeah. will put her career on the line to fight Amanda Nunez for a chance to be champion one more time. What do we do with Amanda now? It's so hard, right? Uh, she has, she's cleared out two divisions. And it's it's tough to say. I wouldn't mind the Juliana Pena fight. I actually wouldn't mind the Duran Duranemi fight. That's it's an interesting thought that she puts out there because, you know, normally if you were just going down a list, she's already fought her, she beat her. You know, you scratch that one off. But that was a good fight. And if Jermaine can approach it differently, you, you might see a slightly different. I, you start making these these straw man arguments. Honestly, like there is no clear good answer. I wouldn't mind a third fight with Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, to to me, she is the person who has come the closest to beating Amanda Nunes, and a lot of people argue she did beat Amanda Nunes um, in in was it the first or the second one? Second one. The second one. Yeah, a lot of people feel like she got that fight. So for her to be the one who has come the closest to have equality in terms of like their status as fighters, I think makes the fight way more interesting. No offense to Juliana Penninga, no offense to Jermaine Durandamy or, or any other worthy contender, but for, in terms of like pay-per-view pull, Shevchenko versus Nunes three, I think, you know, makes a lot of sense. Although normally you don't get that third fight when you've beaten someone twice. That's just the situation we're in. Yeah. I, I mean, that's probably like the the brass ring, so to speak. Like, could be, you know, maybe the last time we see Amanda. Like, if Amanda wants to do one more time and challenge herself, mm. at best, I mean, it's probably that one. Of course, Valentina's got her hands full with Jessica Andrade coming up in in April, so yeah. we'll see what happens there. And and I think uh, Amanda wants yeah. to spend some time just being a mom. Yeah. I don't think we're gonna. I I know they said they want to turn her right around, and and certainly money, <laughs> money changes, money changes everything. But from the sound of what everything she was saying. She wants to see her family. She wants to spend time with Nina and just enjoy being a mom. Yeah. And Amanda should have some clout right now, too. She should be able to do whatever she wants. She should be able to yeah. fight whoever she wants, too, at this point. Yeah. She's earned that. Uh, but before all that happened, of course, we have a new Bantamweight champion, and it happened in a way that nobody wanted to see it. Piotr Jan looked, at least in my eyes, to be heading towards a title defense. Who knows how the final seven minutes or so would have played out, but he makes... Definitely the most costly error in UFC history. He leans that illegal knee to Aljamain Sterling. He gets disqualified, and he loses the title on top of that. As you're watching this play out, like, how are you reacting to this? I just couldn't believe it was happening. And I was going to say again because of the whole John Jones, Anthony Smith situation. Um, and it was so it was so bizarre. The whole situation was so bizarre because it was like not it was not close to being legal. Like, not even a little bit. He wasn't even in some sort of transitional up or down. He was clearly on the ground uh, with, I think, five point. I mean, I want to say, I know he had one leg down, one foot down, and his butt was pretty close to touching the canvas as well. He was clearly down. And then to go back, and when they showed the cornerman, this is what I thought was interesting. So you had Pahumpa 
from ATT clearly say only punches, only punches or something along those lines. And then the other guy, and I don't know the gentleman's name, uh, who I believe was speaking Russian, when Pyotr lands that knee, he goes like this, like, good job. You just, and then, and Pahumpa goes like this, you know? So clearly he was getting some sideways information from his corner. And that was kind of what we heard on the broadcast that Habib was indicating as well. So while it was obviously a foul, and I think that the right thing happened, I don't think that Piotr Jan is some dirty fighter who did it knowing that it was illegal in that split second. You know what I mean? Like I, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to give up his title like that. And Aljamain Sterling doesn't want to win the title like that either. It was just, it was so unfortunate because Piotr Jan was winning the fight and I thought he looked great. I thought Aljamain Sterling was still very much in the fight though. And now we'll never know, but I think it, it opens up the opportunity to potentially, I would like to see them run it back oh, yeah. um, would be Immediately, my thought. I mean, I know it sucks for Corey Sandhagen to have, oh, great, now i got to wait even longer potentially to to get in there. But you, you have to run this one back as soon as possible. We talked about, like, the good about how the card ended and sort of the aftermath of people and what people are saying. But we've seen a lot of ugly come out of this situation because I've seen fighters and fans, even members of the media, claiming that Aljo was faking, he was acting, and... You know, he could have kept going. But listen, as unfortunate as it was in the way it played out, Aljamain Sterling's the Bantamweight champion right now. It's a tough spot to be in because you're the champion. You worked so hard to get there. And if you celebrate it in any way, people yeah. just hammer you for it. I mean, you've got to feel for Aljo in this situation right now, even though, let's be clear, he doesn't write the rules. This wasn't his fault at all. He's the champion, and he exactly. can't even enjoy it. Exactly. And that's that's exactly right. I mean, how how— how crappy is that? Something happens to you completely out of your control. It happens uh, in a negative way to you. He was clearly hurt by that knee. That was not one of those ones where you're like, I don't know if he's playing this up a little bit. That knee hit him hard and square. And that was a fight changing strike that was illegal. So all of these things are completely outside of Aljamain's control. And God forbid, he spends some time with his team holding the belt and take a picture. I mean, my gosh, our, I love this sport and we do have some good fans, but we also have some fans that I just want to wring their necks sometimes, you know, it's, uh, it's just, a uh, unless you've been in there, like, I just feel like you don't, can't have an opinion on that. Right. Like, it's so wild. Like you can't even, wild. he didn't even post the pictures. Like the, the one that got, you know, that's on the spotlight now, Marab Duwalish really wanted to take a picture with the guy he's helped get to that point here, put the bell on your shoulder, man, yeah. post the picture. And they're like, Oh, look at Aljo. He's sitting there saying I'm the champion. He had nothing to do with it. He had nothing to do with it. And I mean, you saw how he reacted in the octagon. He took it off and threw it on the ground. You know, it's not like he grabbed the belt and hoisted it in the air and was like, I did it. You know, it's just, it's really unfortunate that someone would, would give him a hard time about it because you know, the fact is he won the fight. Now he won through DQ, but he won the fight. He is the champ. And Nothing about that is incorrect. So we need to see them fight again, absolutely, and then we'll know more then. But at the moment, the right thing happened, and he's got the belt, and good for him. 
I mean, if there wasn't enough heat between these two guys already, I mean, the rematch is going to be ridiculous. And like, I'm a silver lining guy. It stinks that the fight ended the way that it did, but now we're going to get it again with both guys already seeing what the other brings to the table. There's really yes. no mystery there. We could get five more rounds and depending on how it plays out, we could get maybe 10 more rounds of this. And I'm okay with seeing these guys fight every week if, if possible. This is wild. Yeah. And I think, um, I will say that I think Aljamain Sterling will come into this next fight really focusing on his strength and conditioning and cardio, because I do feel like he was starting to fatigue a little bit. He, you know, he came out that first round hard. I mean, pressuring right from the bell and Piotr Jan fights kind of like he is in real life, which is this, this stoic sort of like icy stays the same pace. And you could see the momentum in the, in the fight really shifting toward Jan as, as he kind of, took that momentum over and had had the better gas it seemed like uh toward the end of in the fight there so i actually love a second fight because like you said they felt each other they've had their hands on each other they've had you know aljamain sterling has had the experience of trying to manage uh, a five-round fight and maybe he can approach it a little bit differently next time so I'm, i look forward to that fight again and it, it might look di different i mean the name will definitely look different <laughs> might look a lot different too how scary is islam makachev oh my gosh um and to hear dc talk about that guy i mean we've all heard it on camera but to hear him talk about it behind closed doors and the stories he tells of the things that that guy has done in the gym and to whom he has done them that guy, Islam Makhachev, is going to be a big deal in that division. He is terrifying. And to put it bluntly, he's Habib with already good striking. You know, Habib has good striking now, phenomenal striking in the Justin Gaethje fight. But imagine if Habib had started with that striking. That's what you have in Islam Makhachev. Of course, uh, we did see your guy, Tim Elliott, have a, a great performance. We saw a little bit of everything in that fight, some trash talk, which yeah. we don't really mention here. But, you know, we saw Tim Elliott at the advice of James Krause wiping his blood all over Jordan Espinosa's face. <laughs> such a savage, savage. move. What did you make of, uh, of Tim's workmanlike win on Saturday? I was so happy for him because workmanlike is the exact word for it. And... I know that some people would not find it like wildly exciting and he didn't get the finish, but for Tim to go from what he used to do to what he did in that fight was exactly what he needed to do. Because the thing about Tim was like, he was too wild. He was too offensive sometimes, particularly in those grappling situations where he would go for a low percentage submission because he saw it and then he'd fall out of position and end up winning or losing the fight that way. Tim has always had the skills to be the champion of this division. And I'm being serious about that. I mean, you remember what he did to Demetrius Johnson in, I can't remember the first or second round, but he has the skill set. He has always struggled with the fight IQ and not fight IQ in the sense of like, you think of it with guys that are green. Fight IQ in the sense that he just, he has needed someone like James to organize him, to create a system to all of these skills that he has and put them in a, a, a way where Tim can pick and choose in the fight and control the fight a little bit better and not feel like he has to be looking for a finish all the time. So it seems weird to say that I'm like extra proud of him to get to not get a fit. Kind of like Derek Minner, honestly, a lot like Derek Minner. There's there's like a certain level of pride in showing, okay, you have grown. You can listen. Okay, now we can start to, you know, feed back in a little bit of that 
that that finishing desire. And I think you're going to see good things from from Tim. And I, I just can't say enough good stuff about James as a coach. And I think people are starting to catch on and they're going to see it more and more and more because I'm telling you what, uh, he really is something special. And I can't wait for James Gallagher's fight coming up because I think you're going to see it there too and his fight coming up in Bellator. Uh, he's been out here for several months. He moved from Ireland to Kansas City, if that tells you anything about what James has going on. So, um, yeah, I'm just super excited. And when he told him, like, bleed right in his face, I was like, yeah, that's what we do in Missouri. We bleed in your face. <laughs> Right uh, your eyes. <laughs> you're, all, you're all savages over there. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, what other performances really stuck out to you from the undercard? Like, who would you say like had the, the the highest rising stock coming out of Saturday? Oh gosh, help me out with some names here because this is what happens to me after a fight night. My it just <laughs> a complete blur. But I remember. Um, I'm gonna throw one. Say- I'm gonna, let me throw one name at you okay. that I don't feel is getting enough credit. Amanda Lamosh. Yes. Yes. How did she not get a bonus? She's a savage. <laughs> because I've seen Lavinia Suda's at fight many, many times in person, and that girl is an absolute gangster. And for her to do what she did, man, I, Amanda Lemos is is the real deal. And you you know you might look at her record without really looking at it, and she has she has the loss. But if you delve it, that loss was at bantamweight <laughs> to Leslie Smith, if I'm right. Yeah. Uh, so scratch that off. I mean, she is untouchable at strong weight right now. I feel like that she's going to be problems in that division. Big time. Yerosh Medich. Unbelievable stuff from that guy. Um, I've seen my contender series and thinking that he seemed very composed for someone so young in his career and not just composed, but a really well-rounded skill set. You never know how that first fight in the UFC is going to go, and man, did he deliver! Looked great. One more name I want to throw at you because I've been touting this man I for. Of one. I thought of one, but you go. Oh, go ahead. Maybe it's the same one. Maybe it's the same it one. It might be. It might be Kennedy and Zuchukwu. Yes. Well, that's a, that's a good one though. Kennedy and Zuchukwu had a great showing. He has struggled in the past with really being able to just pull the trigger. You know, like. It was you always had the sense like like come on like he he just was never in the fight, and that's kind of the sense you had in that first round. I mean he was getting clipped by Carlos Olberg, but for him to go through that fire, stay in the fight, and you could hear Safe. I love listening to Safe so coach. He's so intense. Uh, just scream at him, and then you could see him come alive. And man, can that kid take a punch? Uh, another situation where. If he can find that trigger a little bit earlier in the fight, and I think this fight is going to give him a lot of confidence moving forward. If he can find that trigger a little earlier, he's going to be promised in that in that division. He is a very big light heavyweight, and he can clearly take a hard shot from another very big light heavyweight. So that's that's a that's a dangerous guy. Who were you going to say? Sean Brady. Oh yes, thank you. See, I don't I I meant to have a card in front of me. This would have been like incredible, incredible stuff from Sean Brady. That guy is something special and his man, his submission skills are wild. And so are his tats. Those are impressive. <laughs> He's first team all team tattoo in the UFC. Totally, no doubt about it. Totally. All American. <laughs> yes. Uh last thing, 
kind of putting UFC 259 on the back where we got Leon Edwards back this Saturday against yeah. Bilal Muhammad. Quick turnaround for Mr. Remember the Name. Really interesting matchup with Edwards on the sidelines for almost two years, taking on a super underrated guy in Muhammad who finally gets his big opportunity to make a move in this division. What are your thoughts on the main event this Saturday? Massive opportunity for Bilal Muhammad. And I'm so glad that they even considered him and that he stepped right in and stole the spotlight because this is a huge opportunity for him to leapfrog his career in a way that that would not have been possible otherwise. But Leon Edwards is the real deal. I know we haven't seen him in so long and he's one of those guys that for whatever reason doesn't always get the shine. The fights are always falling through. His opponents are always getting, whatever it is, he is the real deal. Leon Edwards can get it done anywhere. He has phenomenal wrestling he'll clip you up on the feet um I, most under guys at the top of that division so Bilal's got a big task on his hand but that's the perfect opportunity right um Bilal stock does not go down one iota if he loses and he has the potential to go in there and kick down the door of that division so I'm super excited for that one Y'all must have forgot versus remember the name. It yes. just sells itself, Laura Sanko. It sells itself. Looks right from it was Mike. I like it. Yeah, it just popped in. I was like, ah, oh, maybe I need a new career and just, you know, putting these posters together. I can't draw, but I can put <laughs> put words together. But Laura, you're the best. Thank you for doing this. A lot to discuss, a lot to talk about. When are you uh when are you back on the broadcast? Uh, I'm back for UFC 260. I think um, I've got LFA coming up in a couple weeks, and then my next UFC will be UFC 260. You'll see me back on the on the weigh-in show, the new weigh-in show that we've got for pay-per-views, as well as uh, the uh, the social media quick hits on Facebook and TikTok and like literally everywhere. So yeah, you'll see me. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. She's a treasure, that Laura Sanko. I, I gotta tell you, I cannot wait to see where she's at from a professional level in like a year or two because listen she's crushing it right now but I, I mean and i know a lot of people talk about this i would love to see her get a shot on the broadcast calling some fights for the ufc you know the contender series at the very least i mean she does an amazing job with invicta when she's in the booth now she's uh, in the booth for a lot of the lfa cards she's such a talent it's always great having her on her perspective is just outstanding and uh that's why she's one of our favorites. Big thank you to Laura Sanko for coming back on the program. We move to our next guest. Back in action this Saturday, UFC Vegas 21. That one headlined by Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. A fun one at 170 pounds. Big opportunity for Bilal Muhammad. Let's welcome the number nine ranked featherweight contender in the world to the program for the first time, Dan Ige. All right, we move ahead to our next guest. He returns to action this Saturday at UFC Vegas 21. A very fun fight, 145 pounds. Taking on Gavin Tucker. Let us say hello to Dan Ige, kind enough to join us in the middle of fight week. Dan, how are you, man? 
What's up, Mike? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm feeling great. Excited to be here. Excited to be competing. Yeah, it's great to have you. This is long overdue for sure. You and I having a conversation, but uh, there's a lot going on in your life, man, including a big fight this Saturday. Gavin Tucker is a very good fighter, but your original opponent was Ryan Hall, which was a fight that got everybody's attention. Unfortunately, he was forced to pull out due to an injury. You remain on the card, but I I'm curious, how did you react when you found out that Ryan was out of the fight? Um, You know what? Uh, it is what it is, and I it was a little bit unfortunate because I wanted I was the guy. I wanted to be the guy to, he said no one wants to fight him, right? So I wanted to be the guy to step up there and go out and shut his game down. But unfortunately, he got injured and uh, he sent me a message when it happened. And uh, it's just an unfortunate event. And, you know, that's the sport we're in. You know, we can't control everything in our lives and in our training. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. But my, my, my mindset was set on competing because, you know, obviously I'm going to become a father. And, um, so it really doesn't matter who shows up Saturday night. Um, I'm going to face somebody and it happens to be Gavin Tucker at this moment. So that's what I'm prepared for. Yeah. Cause I mean, Ryan Hall, there's like this aura to him. There's that puzzle, which is very fascinating to try and solve. And, you know, like you said, you've been at this for a while. Injuries happen, substitutions happen, but I'm curious, like at this point in your career, like going from a guy like Ryan to Gavin, these are two very different guys in terms of strategy, what they bring to the table. Did you have to make a lot of adjustments because of that, or did everything relatively stay the same? To be honest, mo mostly everything stayed the same. Uh, even with the, the Ryan Hall fight, I didn't want to get too caught up on bringing in specialists, bringing in all these guys, focusing 100% on leg locks, because I feel like that's what everyone's done in the past, and and uh, it just doesn't work out for them. And um, my, my whole game plan for Ryan was – I was focused 100% on my training and myself. So with the, the change in opponents, it really doesn't uh, change anything, to be honest. Um, you know, Gavin Tucker's a solid fighter and it's going to bring the best out of me. And it's actually a fun, you know, it's a fun, intriguing matchup because he's going to engage. Ryan Hall was a little different, like you said, a puzzle. And I was excited to go out there and, uh, you know, figure out the Rubik's Cube. But um we got a different puzzle ahead of us on Saturday and, and Gavin Tucker, and I'm excited to solve this puzzle as well. Of course, the last time we saw you compete, it was the fight against Calvin Cater, main event spot on Fight Island, and it was an entertaining fight to watch. You gave Calvin a hell of an effort, but unfortunately, it didn't go your way. Life was a bit different back then for you, but I'm sure you took a lot away from that fight nonetheless and that experience. What were you able to take away from that fight with Calvin? Um, you know, the fight with Calvin was a great experience. Uh, actually, the whole my whole year of 2020 was a great experience. You know, have fighting Mirsad in February and then going into the pandemic and getting the opportunity to fight Edson Barboza on a two weeks notice and uh, coming away with that one victorious. And then the opportunity came along to fight Calvin Cater. Um, and it, it was just a uh, crazy times and and um, I don't regret one thing, you know, anything that I did. And uh, I came in there at my best and I fell short. But, you know, I took a lot away from that fight. And I feel like what I took the most away was throughout my whole entire UFC career. I, I, I never really I was on the go, go, go. I was always in camp, always grinding fight after fight after fight, went on a six fight win streak. So I took the fast road to the title. You know, that was my goal, obviously. And it still is the goal. But for once, I had a, 
a chance to take a little break and sit back and focus on building my skill because in camp you're just focused on game plan and getting in good shape and uh but like i said for once i i got i got a chance to focus on just improving everywhere everywhere in my game in my my boxing my kicking my my wrestling my jiu-jitsu my pressure my cage control my mental aspect um and then everything outside of fighting too my family life my um my spiritual life, everything is, I just feel like this is a great time for me right now. And, um, everything's on point and you're going to see a much better fighter come Saturday night. One of the things I really enjoyed about that fight was, I mean, the fight was great, but kind of the aftermath, because the, that fight kind of brought out the best in everybody in a strange way. Like the respect between you and Calvin, Eric Nixick and Tyson Chartier, your team and his, it was just really cool to watch like the photos after the fight and whatnot. Like, although it stinks to go home with a loss, being a part of like that positive, like that positivity, that respect in a sport where things can get pretty ugly, that must have been pretty cool for for you and everybody else involved, was it not? Yeah, I know. I agree. You know, this what it comes down to is uh, martial arts, and martial arts is all about respect. We could we could trash each other, bad bad mouth each other, do whatever you know to promote the fight, but the, but at the end of the day, it's about respect. You know, win or lose, I'm going to go across the ring. I'm going to shake my opponent's hand um bitter or not you know you have to accept what happens um and it, it was a cool moment it was a cool experience and you know calvin was a a great opponent and a great test for me and at the end of the day we all came together shook hands showed respect coaches showed respect and we move on I actually spoke with Eric last night as a, as a matter of fact, as you record this obviously he was in Aljamain sterling's corner on saturday uh we talked about you by the way that Randy Couture, like life looking dummy in, in the gym at extreme Couture. Like, yeah. is that the, that, that is like the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Is it, is it kind of creepy? Yeah. It's like, it's real life, man. You, you walk in there every day and see Randy Couture. <laughs> hey, what's up? Oh, that's a, just a dumb. <laughs> but we, you know, we obviously talked about you and this fight coming up and you know, how you're about to become a dad. And, you know, we talked about how motivating becoming a parent can be, especially like when you're a parent, but he says that motivation, that why it's already there for you. Like he sees it in, in you already in the gym training. He feels it every day. W would you agree with that? Like, are you already feeling that extra oomph that comes with, with being a dad? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's hard to tell, right? Because, you know, uh, I don't have a kid yet, but I, I feel it. I, I, I feel like I'm already a dad and I, I feel like just that aura, that energy is there. And, um, you know, coming home every single day after a hard day of training or a hard day of work and uh, then seeing my wife pregnant, carrying her child, like it just gives me a little extra energy to go out and compete every single day and get better every day. And, you know, it's not like I never had a why before because I did. I had, I had, I'm a, you know, big man of writing down goals and, you know, having a, a plan to attack. But now I, I really feel like this is, uh, this is my calling. You know, this is, this is how I provide and just, I, I really can't wait. I can't wait to be a dad and, you know, I can't wait to be a, you know, a fighting dad. It's a, you're having, you're having a boy, right? I am. Yeah. When, when's the due date? It's ne is it next month? The due date is technically April 9th. Um, she's 36 weeks, uh, Friday. So technically that's full term. So, I mean, 
it could happen this week. It could happen next week, but I'm hoping it doesn't happen this week. <laughs> Have you had like every person in your life that's a parent around you try to give you advice, give you things to like to look at and think about? Yeah, literally everyone, you know, <laughs> I have a lot of, <laughs> everyone has their two cents and, um, you know, I, and I take everything with consideration, but, you know, I, this is going to be a journey of, for me and my wife and our family, and it's going to be an exciting one and it, it'll be nice, man. I, I, I really can't wait. And, um, I'm super fortunate <laughs> that I have a, you know, a flexible job, like fighting that I, even after this fight, I can just sit back and be with my wife and support her. And as we welcome this child into the world and, you know, take care of it and then get back to work. Is there like one piece of advice you've gotten where you're just like, huh, really? Like that's, that's the advice. Nah, I don't know. Every, the big one is sleep. Everyone's like, get the kid on sleep training. And, uh, you know, for sure, it's going to be crazy. And I, I'm, I'm ready for the grind, man. Uh, I, uh, I've grinded my whole life, but this will be a different grind for sure. Absolutely. I'll give you one more piece of advice. Don't listen to anybody because uh, <laughs> your, your story is different than anybody that's given you advice. Everyone's unique. And I guess the other piece of advice I give you is just enjoy it, which it seems like you're already in the mindset to do, but, uh, I'm an almost eight year vet in the, in the dad game. So I, I, I can't give you advice on fighting. That's the, that's the best piece I can give you. But, uh, you get Gavin Tucker this Saturday and, you know, like you said, interesting, different puzzle than Ryan Hall still creates some great challenges for you. How do you like the matchup from a stylistic perspective? stylistically it's uh it's a great matchup and it's a fun matchup because you look at gavin and you look at myself and we're pretty similar especially in our attributes our strengths um he's almost a mirror of myself uh he's uh he's a southpaw he's a pressure fighter he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu um he's got great striking great boxing great kicks and it's gonna be fun it's like for once i get to fight someone my stature i've I feel like every time I fight someone, they're like six foot five and uh, it's uh, yeah. For once I get to fight someone it's actually a little bit shorter than me and I have a reach advantage. So it's uh, that's going to be awesome. Nice. I mean, he's looked, he's looked really good in his last three. Of course he had the two finishes, but I thought the Billy Q win his last fight, that was the one that really opened up a lot of eyes. Cause you got to see the full arsenal. We got to see 15 minutes. What did you make of that performance in particular, seeing him go the full three rounds and, and looking as good as he did against a, a really tough guy. Yeah, his last fight, he looked great. He's looked great in all of his fights. Um, you know, aside from the Rick Lynn fight, he he came back strong and uh, he's been on a tear ever since. And his last fight against Billy Q, a very tough, you know, promising up and coming prospect. You know, he went out there and put a pace on him. Billy Q tried to set the pace and Gavin was able to match the pace and just be a little bit better in every exchange. So, um you know, that's why that's why I'm excited because I'm a pace setter. So I have a guy that's going to be willing to match my pace and be willing to go blow for blow and take down for takedown and strike for strike. So it's going to it's going to be a fun match. It's going to be a fun fight for the fans. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to competing with Gavin. I was talking to Eric about this last night. We talked about like Casey O'Neill and, and the performance she had in her debut. And also Julian Arosa, because I think Julian Arosa is one of the more underrated feel-good stories over the last year, just to see him come back and get a couple of finishes and look, to, and look as good as he had. As a teammate, you know, a fellow 
driver, seeing what that guy has been able to do, seeing the ups and downs, the adversity he's had over overcome. Has that given you a little extra pep, like some inspiration seeing him come through like this? For sure, man. Julian's a, he's been a great training partner and watching this guy's career. I was watching this guy, you know, obviously when he was on the ultimate fighter, uh, I got to watch him compete there and I was a fan back then. I'm a fan now. Um, and getting to train with him every day and see him battle through adversity, get cut from the UFC, make a comeback, get cut from the UFC, make a comeback. And now he's doing good and now he's winning. And I feel like everything is coming to fruition for, for, uh, Julian and, Man, that's one of the toughest guys in the room. Um, he's such an awkward style, and he's uh, he's such a competitor. So um, it's uh, it's great to have a guy like Julian in the room. Um, he definitely pushes me and motivates me. And uh, for instance, he fought on Saturday one. He was in the gym 9 a.m. on Monday morning um, drilling. So that that's uh, that's inspiring in its own. So uh, I'm I'm super happy for Julian, and uh, he deserves all the best. Yeah, so like I said, such a great story. Um, your story continues on Saturday. Your last fight pre-fatherhood, man. How do we get this thing done? Dude, I know, right? Uh, I'm definitely, uh, I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put it all on the line. And uh, I'm, I just I just talked to my wife before I got here in quarantine. I, I told her I'm coming home with both paychecks. So, uh, and uh, a potential $50,000. So let's, let's, that's, that's the goal. I did. I wanted to touch on one last thing. I appreciate the time. I know it's fight week, but uh, I saw the other day you you posted a video of your MMA debut, and you talked about having like no striking experience, but you're watching like old Mike Tyson highlight videos, and that fired you up. It kind of molded your game plan for the fight, and also I think your opponent told you at weigh-ins he had a wedding to go to, so you took it easy on his face and dug into his body. I mean, that's pretty wild that that in your first fight you have the wherewithal to like look out for your fellow man like that. This was what in 2011. Yeah, that was my amateur MMA debut. It's actually funny because um, I got a new opponent the day of the weigh-ins. I showed up to the weigh-in. My original opponent, whoever I was supposed to fight, didn't show up. And um, there was another guy there, and this guy, he was known. He fights on, like, every single card. He's probably had 40-plus amateur fights and loses a lot of them. But they came to me. They're like, hey, we got this guy. And actually, his name was Micah Ige. He had the same last name. as <laughs> Not related at all. But um, I, was, I asked my cornerman and uh, what they thought about it. And they're like, you know, I think you could take this guy. And like I said, I had zero striking experience whatsoever. Um, I wrestled a little bit in high school, wrestled a little bit in college. And, um, I think I was a blue belt or purple belt at the time in jujitsu. So, you know, I, I was confident because I was competing in BJJ competitions and stuff and I was doing good. You know, I was, I had that, that fire in me to compete and yeah, at the, the night of the fight, I remember, you know, I didn't even know how to be nervous yet. Like I wasn't nervous, but I just remember not having any striking experience whatsoever and there was people at the fights whatever i don't know if it was my cornerman or what but there was literally people like telling me how to throw a right hand and uh so i was watching mike tyson turn on some highlights and right before the fight got pumped up and went out there and uh got a finish <laughs> what did what did your quarter say to you after the fight like you know you're sitting there just throwing those hands i don't even remember to be honest i just <laughs> like I felt like I was Tyson. I finished the guy and I didn't jump on the cage. Like I just 
cracked my neck and walked away like yeah i'm the man and it was from that day that i knew that was my path at the time i didn't know if i wanted to be a fighter but after that day i knew for sure that was uh that was my calling so wild man like i'm curious like 10 years later seeing where you are now in the ufc you're a top 10 guy in one of the craziest divisions in the sport you're about to become a dad if present dan Ige could go back in time and talk to like that guy the guy who had no striking experience going in there watching Mike Tyson highlight reel videos before his MMA debut. If you go back and talk to that guy, what would you say to him? Uh, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing about me. You know, I feel like I've always had the dream. I've always had the vision. You know, I, I ignored the naysayers. Here I am now. Uh, I had 11 amateur fights. I'm on my 17th. 18th professional fight you know i'm a veteran man i uh i have a lot of experience in this game and you know from day one it and for any up-and-comer listening to this or anyone that has any type of dream it's just like stick to the game plan don't listen to the naysayers because i don't know for how long i had to listen to you know even close friends close close relatives my parents just like I'm not making a dollar. I'm not, I'm not getting fights. People are pulling out of fights and you just have to ignore all that, you know, have the vision in mind and keep attacking the goal and take it step by step by step. And here I am today in the UFC and uh, it's a, uh, it's a dream come true, man. I'm living my dream. As we head to our next guest, we're going to check in with the number three ranked bantamweight in the world. He was watching the, Title fight at UFC 259 between Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling very, very closely. So let's get his reaction. One of the founding members of the New England cartel, Rob Font. All right, with everything that happened on Saturday night in the Bantamweight division, I wanted to check in with this man, the number three ranked Bantamweight on the planet. Let us say hello to Rob Font, who is kind enough to join us in the middle of a New England cartel road trip. Rob, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Big week for the squad. You guys are heading to Philly. The whole founding crew is in tow, as well as the surging prospect that's going to be competing later on this week. Let the folks know why this road trip is happening and uh, what's going on. Yeah, you know, we're headed to Philly, uh, looking to, you know, get a get a knockout with my boy Tom Peggs. Uh, you know, he's uh, up and coming and uh, making his pro debut on short notice. So we're jumping the Jeep. Flying out, I mean, riding down there now. There you go. So the last time we spoke, Rob, it was it was a couple of days after the knockout win over Marlon Marias. It shot you into the top five, and since then, you've already bumped up two spots to number three. Doesn't get much better than that, man. <laughs> How does it feel to to be a top three guy in the world right now? Um, it, you know, obviously it's uh, it's it's a great uh, you know, uh checkpoint, but it, you know, the job's not done yet. You know, we still got to get to that belt. Um. But, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm a three guy in the world. So, um, which all that means to me is I have options now. You know, I have options to, to eventually get closer to that belt. So, uh, I'm excited. Uh, can't wait to find out who we're fighting next. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, like you just said, with that number next to your name, the road to a title shot in the UFC gets a little bit shorter. Of course, there was a big title fight on Saturday at UFC 259 between Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling, which ended in the most unfortunate way that you can draw up. But before we get into like how it ended in the aftermath of it all, what did you think of the actual fight? Like, was it how you expected it to play out or were you surprised with the first 19 or so minutes of the fight? Um, no, I figured it would play out like that. I was uh, curious to see how uh, 
how, how uh, Aljamain would do in the first two rounds. And um, if he could be able to keep that pace up. And, um, you know, he, he was doing all right. You know, wasn't like landing much, but it was definitely busy. Um, I was definitely impressed with uh, how patient Jan was. Um, so, I, you know, I also saw some holes, saw some good things. Um, overall, the fight was okay, I guess. But um, then obviously you had to end it, you know. So, um, uh, you know, I, uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't definitely uh, – you know, how do I say? Like, I wasn't, like, like too, too impressed with uh, Al Jermaine, except for the, the fact that he can keep pushing the pace. And then, um, if anything, uh, you know, so I, I, I was a little more impressed with how slick uh, Yana was with his, his takedowns, little tricks, I mean, little trips and all that. So, uh, but, yeah, you know, a tough fight. They did their thing. I just want to, I want them to hurry up and do the rematch so they can get out the way so I can, you know, get, get, my, get myself in there. So though, I mean, for, for, I'm sure everybody watching this knows what happened. There's like 30 seconds left in the fourth round. Sterling's on the mat, knee down, points of contact down, and then Jan drills Sterling with the illegal knee, puts Aljo in a very bad way. Referee gives him some time. The doctor comes in, the doctor leaves, and then the doctor comes back in, and the fight is finally ruled a DQ, and Sterling is the new UFC Bantamweight champion. What are you thinking watching this all go down? I'm just thinking, like, man, it's going to have to wait a lot longer, man. That's all I'm thinking. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to wait a lot longer. They're going to have to do the rematch. And then, um, but, you know, I, I, I uh, also, obviously, I was a little confused on what was going on. Um, and then once I, once it, I feel like once, like, it got to, like, that two-minute mark, I was like, oh, he's no way he's, he's, he's getting back up and fighting. So, it was all right, well, how did this play out? And then, um, you know, it played out the way it played out. Um, again, that's all that means. I've still got to wait a little longer to finally – find out who I'm fighting and, and, and um, I let, I let, obviously they gotta, they gotta do this again. Um, I'm not sure when they're doing it, but they have to do it again. And um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just a little upset, man. Cause it's like, shit, man, like hurry up, man. I'm, I'm, Move this division on. <laughs> I mean, nobody obviously nobody is happy with the way this all played out. You uh, you have your own perspective on it, but you know, even Aljamain being the champion right now, he's gotten a ton of heat from from all this, even though he did absolutely nothing wrong in this situation. Have you seen the amount of like negativity thrown his way by fans, even members of the media, even fellow fighters in your division? Yeah, man, it's uh, it's tough. You know, it's tough when you when you're in Aljamain's position. You know, he uh. You know, he, he's always out there. He's out there. He's always, uh, he's very opinionated, you know. So when you don't like, you know, when you when you kind of, that, and then I think, uh, how do I say, like, you have the Anthony, Anthony Jones, I'm sorry, Anthony Smith and John Jones situation. So when there's like a situation that already played out and he had something to point at, I, I, it's just, I feel bad for him as far as like, you know, like the, the, the critics and the media definitely want to roast him. But, you know, technically probably wasn't the, Probably it wasn't the worst move either. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for him, but, you know, it is what it is, man. <laughs> I'm not sure if, like, this even jumped into your mind at all, but ha have you thought about what it would be like if you were in Aljamain's position? Um, Sort of. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I would make that decision, you know, just getting kneed in the face. That's, that's a tough decision. It's, um, you know, he's on the spot. Um Financially, it makes sense, right? Um, so definitely a, a smart move. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to do with that. Um, I don't know how he was feeling. I don't know how tired he was. I don't know what he was feeling like that. But uh, it's definitely a, a shitty situation, you know, and especially in the title fight. But if I had a chance, I should know the rules. 
There's been some debate over the last couple of days about whether or not Jan should even get the immediate rematch because of the mistake he made. Like he lost the title. You know, if they run it back, Al is going to get the extra money, he's going to get the pay-per-view points, et cetera. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Is that enough punishment in your eyes? Or do you think because of how it played out, not knowing the rules, making that big mistake that Jan should have to maybe get in the back of the line, so to speak, and work his way back up? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I can see that playing out, but I, I definitely think they're going to do the rematch. Um, you know, he definitely, he definitely was the guy. I mean, sorry, Jan was definitely, you know, yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough because like I, I want to see the rematch. You know, I want to, I want to see the rematch and get it over. But you know, if I was in his position, I definitely would want that rematch as soon as possible. But if he waits, like, who do you give him to wait? You know, like, he's the ex champ. So it's, it's tough. Uh, I don't really know, honestly. When we last spoke, you were you were hoping to get something cooking sooner rather than later to kind of keep this momentum going. And the division has gotten really interesting. Of course, with what happened on Saturday, Corey Sandhagen's knockout of Frankie Edgar. Of course, we got TJ Dillashaw coming back. I know you want that fight. Corey wants that fight as well. We got Garbrandt, Aldo, Jan and Sterling are probably going to be matched up. What do you think happens here? Like, I feel like there's going to be an unfortunate odd man out of this equation, unfortunately. But if you had the mighty pencil, how would you kind of book this division if you could? Um, I say you do TJ versus uh, San Hagen, book the rematch, and then give me Cody Garbrandt. Um, and, you know, make a super card for 35 ers I like that idea. Any thought as to when you'd like to get back in there at this point? Um, you know, the rumor is, I'm, you know, May. May. Um, looking at May, hopefully, you know, looking at a guy like Cody Garbrandt or even Jose Aldo, but uh, looking at May, just waiting for that contract. There you go. Life's pretty good, man. I mean, it's uh, supposed to be 50 degrees in Massachusetts today, 60 tomorrow. Spring is coming. Cold weather looks to be coming going around. away. Yeah. Hopefully the Patriots can make some moves in the offseason. Life's pretty good right now. You're, you bumped up two spots without having coming to fight. When this comes out. <laughs> What did you think of the main event on Saturday, Israel yeah, Adesanya? I can't, you know, I can't complain, but I'm too surprised without having a fight. What did you think of what, uh, the, the main event on uh, Saturday? I enjoyed it. You know, I just wish you would have it. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, um, Jan and, um, sorry, uh, I can't even pronounce it. How do you, how you pronounce his last name? Blahovich. Blahovich. Um, yeah, I think, you know, he, he showed, showed some, um, you know, real good striking. Definitely uh, showed that he can wrestle and stay on top. But, uh, um you know, Izzy just showed that he just needs a little bit more work off his back, uh, moving, especially moving around with a big guy like that. So it was fun and entertainment. I definitely learned a little bit off that. Yep, yep. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. I, I lost you for like the last probably like 30 seconds of what you just said. Freezing up by here. I'm freezing up by here. Where the hell are you at? <laughs> so you're, you're road tripping. There you go. Yeah, it's just a wild world right now. We got disqualifications and title <laughs> fights. We got Tom Brady getting hammered at victory parade. Just, just wild times indeed, man. It's, yeah, man. It's all over. It was wild right now. <laughs> good thing, you know, we're going down, going down to get a, get a big W. So I can't complain. <laughs> what can people expect from, from Tom Pagliarillo on, uh, this week for CFFC. I know there's like, especially here in new England, it's been tough. He hasn't fought since 2019 because of the pandemic and everything in new England being shut down. I'm sure he's itching just to get a fight. So when the, when the phone call came, I'm sure he was jumped out of his seat to take it, but what can fans expect from him this week? 
Um, yeah, you know, you, you can expect a long-ranging professional, you know, long-ranging professional that's going to be well-rounded everywhere this fight goes. Um, you know, the kid trains like a professional. He, he's around a, a bunch of professionals, and, um, you know, he finally gets to prove that he's a professional, not an amateur anymore. But he's going to be long-ranging, smart, educated uh, prospect. And he's only, what, he's 23, right? Yeah. So definitely somebody yeah, yeah. to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people in New England are very excited to, to, to see what he can do at the pro level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He has nothing behind him. He has the curator behind him. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to shine on Thursday. There you go. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. There he is, Rob Font. Interesting perspective on what happened in the title fight. And I love the idea of if they can swing it. I mean, of course, Aljamain Sterling being cleared is the most pivotal part of this equation all forming. But if Aljo could be cleared and they can turn around Jan Sterling for the rematch in May, and then they load up a whole bunch of Bantamweight fights on that card, I mean, that's amazing. That'd be like my dream pay-per-view event. Get Font on there, get TJ on there, Corey Sanhagen, Cody Garbrandt, Jose Aldo. I mean, just just load it up. Just do a whole night full of Bantamweight fights. I love that idea. I hope that happens. Makes a lot of sense. So big thank you to Rob Font for that suggestion and make me very happy about what could happen in May. Hopefully we see that go down and uh, big thank you to Rob Font for joining us. As we continue on with Saturday night and what transpired, let's check in with the UFC's newest ranked welterweight contender coming off his 14th straight victory on Saturday night, Sean Brady. All right, UFC 259 went down on Saturday night, as you all know by now. And one of the big winners in the prelims is this man joining me right now who improved to 4-0 in the UFC. He's 14-0 overall, second straight submission win, this time over Jake Matthews, and has now entered the top 15 in the welterweight division. Sean Brady is here, the man with the incredible back tattoo that people just (laughs) cannot shut up about. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Uh, Life couldn't be uh, much better. Big win, uh, got in the top 15 yesterday, so um, I'm a very happy man right now. How often are you asked about the back tattoo, man? Like, it, it's between you and Alexander Volkov when it comes to, like, the the viral back tats in the yeah. UFC. These are the ones that get brought up the most. Like, how often is is the tattoo brought up to you? A lot. And it's crazy because, like, I like my back tattoo, but, like, uh, I have other tattoos that I love so much more than my back, like other uh, 
Japanese style tattoos. I'm actually getting tattooed on Tuesday. So once I'm done fighting, I'm getting work added on. So I'm trying to completely cover my body, but the back tattoo, cause it's just so big, you know? So that's the first thing people see with a lot of my other tattoos. It's a smaller space. So you have to look and like really see what it is with the back tattoo. And people think it's a big devil mask, but it's really a Japanese Hanya mask. So a lot of people just look at it. They're like, Oh, look at the big red devil. Cause it's just so big, but I get asked about it a lot, but it's it's all good. Who's is better, yours or or Drago Bokov's? His is done. His is done good. Um, there's a page I actually follow on Instagram. They post all Japanese stuff, and the guy's actually a big fan of MMA and UFC. And he posted Volkov's when he was fighting, and then he tagged the artist. And I was looking at the artist's stuff, and I was talking to my tattoo artist about. It, and he was like, "Hey, the guy's actually really really good." So it's it's done well. It's it's a good tattoo. I actually think that's a cover up as well. So it's it's done well. It's a good tattoo. It is a good tattoo. You can't take your eyes off of it. No. Uh, what are you going to get this time around? So I have my right leg is fully open. I'm starting a uh, a samurai versus tiger on my entire right leg. But the bottom of my right leg has tattoos already. So I have to get it lasered to get it lightened up a little bit so I can get it covered. So we're starting the upper part of my thigh this coming week. So. I'm trying to do as much as I can before I start camp again. How long is that all going to take? It, it'll be a, it, it, it won't be done for a, a long time. Like I actually sleeves and it just depends. Like I have really big thighs too, so my leg, my left leg sleeve, which is a, a, a dragon, took over a year just because of training and stuff like that. So it's going to take a while, but it's an ongoing process. So I, I, I enjoy getting tattooed and I enjoy the ride. So it's all good. We could talk about tattoos for hours, oh, yeah. Sean. You okay. have like 7,000 more than I do. But uh, <laughs> listen, another great performance. Congratulations on the win. Heading into this fight, I felt like people still had some questions about you, Sean. Like they weren't completely sold for some reason. But fighting a guy like Jake Matthews, I think people felt like this would be the one to answer all of those questions. And you did that with Flying Colors. You were obviously the betting favorite. But did you feel like maybe you weren't getting the respect from the MMA community heading into this fight that – you probably should have. Yeah. I mean, Jake's a super tough guy. Jake's literally been in the UFC since he was like 19 years old on the ultimate fighter. I turned pro when I was 21 around the similar time, but he was in the UFC. So all that experience definitely plays into it. But, um, I honestly didn't see anything too negative. I seen a lot of people had me winning the fight against Jake and, uh, and I don't really pay attention to that stuff anyway, but yeah, Jake's super tough and he's a big 170 pounder. He hits hard. Uh, he has really good jujitsu, so it was on paper. It was a, a good matchup, and for me to do what I did, I think it proved to everybody who I am, and I'm a, I'm a problem in this division for a lot of guys. So, yeah, I, I mean, I loved the fight on paper. It was one of those fights in my eyes. Like the more I looked at it, it was one of those things. Like the longer it went, the better it was for you because he likes to come out fast. Yeah, but he does have this tendency to to sort fade. of fade down the yep. stretch, especially if, if someone can put him on his back, which you can do. Yep. Turns out you're able to get going right away and start building yep. that momentum early. What did you make of of the way he came out, his game plan, and and how you were able to execute it for as long as the fight lasted? So uh, my entire training camp, we had a, a little bit different game plan going in. So my entire training, say a camp's ten weeks long. For eight weeks, my camp was. I was kicking the lead leg a lot because Jake kind of has a karate stance, you know, like he's kind of sideways, his knee points in. So my game plan coming into the fight was to hammer his, his lead leg. Two weeks out from the fight, 
I kicked somebody's knee and I honestly thought I broke my foot. I couldn't walk. And then it started to feel a little bit better. My next sparring session, I kicked somebody's knee again. So I could barely walk. And so my game plan had to shift a little bit and he stayed a little bit further away than I thought he was going to like, he likes to leap in with punches. So I thought he was going to be a little bit closer and I'd be able to kick that leg. But I knew if I kicked one time and if I hit his knee, I wouldn't be able to walk. So that game plan kind of went out the window and I had to lean more on the grappling. And honestly, I really thought he was going to be a lot stronger on the ground. I seen him grapple with a lot of high level guys and do very well. It just it just shows how good my grappling is and how good my wrestling is. So yeah, it it, it went very good for me. I'm happy. How bad was the foot? Did it get like to that scary place where you almost weren't going to be able to make it? Never, man. This this camp, like the last month of my camp, was crazy. I got COVID a month out, um, so I had a quarantine for eight days at my house. Luckily, I have a treadmill. And I have weights and I wasn't affected too bad. I lost my smell. I lost my taste. And so I was running just five, six miles every day on my treadmill. Uh, a buddy of mine recently had COVID who's a jujitsu guy. He's actually a blue belt under me. So I was beating him up in, in my garage for an entire week until I could go back to training. So I got COVID. I came back to training. I hurt my foot. And then a week out, I have bulging disc in my back. My back locked up. I could barely get out of bed. But never once did it cross my mind that I was pulling out of this fight. You know, maybe when I was a younger guy, I just like, oh, I'll just pull out. But I'm at the point in my career, I need to rally off these wins. And I knew once I got in there, as long as I got into the cage physically, I could win the fight. So the entire fight week, I was just kind of trying to heal my body up and uh, just make it to the cage. Man, fighting's easy, right? Yeah, fight, fight was <laughs> that was the easier part for sure. The second round, that that's when like you really took over the fight. You even got a 10-8 on one of the judges' scorecards. So like between the second and third rounds, when you're sitting on the stool, you must have felt confident yeah. that the finish was near. I felt great, man. And even the third round, uh, I hit him with a left hand and I dropped him to a knee. And I feel like I'm just so composed now, like where other guys might have tried to rush it. And would have, Jake has a good overhand. So I dropped him and I was kind of looking at him like, all right, maybe I'll go in. But I knew he wasn't fully out of it. So I feel like I showed some good composure there and just kept, kept my cool. And, uh, yeah, man, it, he, once I was on top of him, it just, he wasn't getting up and I knew the finish was near. I think I looked up in the third round, there was two minutes left and I was hitting him with some good ground and pound. I was like, I can probably finish him. And once I folded his wrist over, I felt the arm triangle. And that's actually my bad side, my good side, my right side. So, but I heard him gargling. I squeezed and got the tap. That was your first arm triangle submission, right? Yeah, and it's my first third round uh, finish. So I was stoked about that. To be able to finish guys in the third rounds, uh, uh, a good a good thing to know. Yeah, especially a guy like that. That's a, a good name to have on the resume. Yeah, 100%. I feel, I feel like your striking's gotten a lot better too. Yeah. Like, have you noticed that? Like, does it feel a little more comfortable in there? In the room, bro, if people could see, like my training partners know, my coaches know, I light people up on the feet like my stand-up is really good my boxing my kicking a lot most people can't handle my stand-up in the room but fighting actual fighting is a little bit different and the range always feels a little bit different so once my striking catches up to my confidence of my grappling i think i think i'm gonna i'm gonna beat a lot a lot of these these top guys and i'm just getting more confident with with each and every fight 
this was a, a like we kind of alluded to earlier. This is a statement win, kind of by definition, right? Because you're 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 a matchup with Bilal. The fight fell through, and you've been wanting to fight top fifteen guys. I know the last time we spoke, Robbie Lawler is a name that stuck out to you. Yeah. And while you're you were probably on their radars, this win had to have put you over the top and gotten the attention of not just like you know ten through fifteen, but everybody. Like yeah. you're, they're looking yeah. at you now. Like, do you feel that way as well? Like that this was the one to get you over that hump, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. And especially being ranked. I knew there was a chance like fighting Jake because he was he's six and one in Baltimore, six and two now. But I knew there was a chance even since we weren't ranked, there was a chance whoever won this fight was going to get ranked. So Tuesday, yesterday, I was sitting in my sauna just looking at my phone. And I seen someone put something on Twitter and I went and I looked and the UFC's page wasn't updated. I was like, oh, I didn't get ranked, whatever. Then I went and looked again and they had me ranked. And I was like, man, that's that's going to open up a lot of people's eyes. So I, they had me at 14. I'm looking at all the guys right there. And I'm even looking at the top 10 guys. You know, I know Damian Maya doesn't have a fight. I know Michael Chiesa doesn't have a fight. I'll fight any of these guys. So it's just now it's just a waiting game to see see who they want to give me. Damian Maya is an, a really interesting option because it would be his last fight. Yeah, he doesn't have a fight. He hasn't fought in almost a year. They still have him ranked. So I'm assuming he still wants to fight. I would love that fight. So we'll see. That would be something. Yeah. That'd be a really interesting test for you, because he's still. I mean, listen, he's 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 up there in age, but you know he's, he's quiet, such a you know? specialist. Yeah, if he if he climbs on your back or gets you on the ground, he'll strangle you. So uh, I definitely would, I definitely would like that fight. There's there's so many matchups I can do. So we'll we'll see. It's only a couple of days after the fight. I want to let my body heal up a little bit more. But I'm already back training, striking. I have really bad mat burn on my knees from uh, from the canvas. So I'll probably try to start jujitsu within like next couple of days, but I got to let those scabs heal up. Would Maya be like your top option, perfect world kind of scenario? No, anyone in the top 15, like I, they have me ranked now, which is cool, but I, I need to show that I belong there. I know I belong there, but I need to fight a top 15 guy to, to show everybody what's up. The first thing I thought of when I saw the rankings was, now he's ranked higher than Robbie Lawler. So like yeah. based on the numbers and ranking, et cetera, like that, that fight becomes much more enticing for him. Should yeah. you know, yeah. he want to go that direction. I know you mentioned Li Jing Liang as an option and I'll tell that, you, I'll, I'll tell go ahead. I think that'd be perfect. Him. Uh, he, he fought Jake, Jake beat him and Jake beat him pretty significantly. And I just did what I did to Jake. I would like to, he's ranked number 12. I'm 14. I think that's a good fight too. Yeah, like we we host a matchmaking show on on the website, and a popular name thrown out was was Neil Magny. A lot of people want to see you and Neil Magny fight. Like, yeah. it but just nice. Like you wake up, it's 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 a Wednesday as you record, and there's yeah. a lot of doors that yeah. that could be open for you. It's got to feel good. Neil is. I was actually just training with Neil. Neil's a good a good buddy of mine. I I don't want that fight. I like Neil a lot, and uh, we've been training together a decent amount lately. And I would like to to keep that going. So hopefully that's not the name they send me. There's so many other options, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, there's so many doors open. It's, 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 it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, outside of typical post-fight annoyances, I mean, you're good to go. didn't see your name in the medical suspensions. You know, you got some lingering injuries, nothing yeah. crazy, but I'm, 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 I'm hurt. I'm not injured. You know, we're always, we're always hurt. There's always little dings and, I'm just going to let some of these things heal up, but hopefully I'm thinking like June timeframe, you know, a couple months from now. So 
we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I have to sit down with my manager, see what Sean Shelby and the guys want. But uh, yeah, there's, there's so many options. I'm excited. Yeah, you go in, you get a win, you're in the top 15, come out relatively unscathed. Yeah. And the one thing missing on Saturday was the bonus. I mean, 15 fight card, the odds are kind of against you anyways, but still, yeah. Did, yeah. was a part of you hopeful that an extra 50 G's might hit your bank account? I mean, I'm, I'm always hopeful an extra 50 G's <laughs> going to hit my bank. But uh, the, I, the prelims were going, like, we were in the back warming up, and I actually, I took like an hour nap in the back. And uh, I woke up, and we were watching the fights, and I'm like, man... It's finish, 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 finish. And after I fought, it kind of slowed down, you know. And um, the card on paper was insane. Uh, it was a good card. I don't think it lived up to what it could have been. So at the end of the night, I, I knew I wasn't getting it. But um, I thought, like, it was going to be nowhere close. I was like, all right, like, I got a good submission. I was like, but these next fights are going to be insane. And they weren't as crazy as uh, as I thought it was going to be. So, it was lingering in my mind a little bit, but I was just happy with the win, man. I got both of my paychecks too, so a bonus is a bonus. I I got paid in full, so I'm happy. What did you think of Amanda Nunez's submission? Because a lot not a lot of people are talking about. It. They just expect her to go in and do what she does, but the submission was ridiculous. I, I believe that people aren't talking about like how hard that what a, a triangle from the back is, especially against a girl who's competing for a UFC title, is very. It's very hard thing to do, you know. Triangles from your back are crazy, but she literally got a triangle from having a, from having her back. It's not an easy thing to do. Like you don't see that too much in the room. So people are like talking about her overhand and everything. I was super impressed with her with her submission. She's she's a beast, man. Um, I, there's no one there's no one messing with that chick. So <laughs> she and she's such a nice nice girl too. Like I seen her, I said hi to her. She like said hi to me she's she's very nice and she's a she's a killer what did you think um about the bantamweight title fight i know you know you and you and aljo you both had that cffc tie and it was just unfortunate man like nobody yeah. wins in that situation it sucked i mean and this backlash everywhere and it's unfortunate this is the big story heading out of a card of that nature but what did you think of of that whole situation watching it clearly the knee was super illegal i don't know why peter would throw that you know it's Aljo was clearly down, but I don't think it should have been up to Aljo. It shouldn't be up to a fighter who just got kneed in the face as to what's going to play out. Like, I feel like there should be rules in play for that. You know, like it, if you get hit in the NFL, you don't like Tom Brady doesn't get to decide like what's going to like, there's, there's just rules in play. And I think there should be, there should, I don't know. It's, it's very unfortunate the way it happened. Clearly a super illegal knee. I don't think Aljermaine was faking, you know, um, he's coming out saying a lot of stuff and he has to defend himself. I mean, I don't know what I would do in that situation. It's easy to say, Oh, you could just man up. You don't know how he was feeling. Most of the people were saying, no, just man up. Probably never even been slapped in their face, let alone need by a killer like Peter Jan in the mouth. So, uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, it's it's crazy to watch. Um, I'm curious to get your take on Saturday because Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad, that's a big one at 170. It's in your division. Bilal's yeah. ranked, I think, one spot above you right now. Yeah. Bilal could shake shake some things up on Saturday, but Edwards is is a tough out man. Who do you like in that one? Uh, I don't know who's going to win, but I think it's going to go all 25 minutes. I don't think either guy's going to. Neither one of them are too crazy finishers, you know. But I, they both set a high pace, and I think it's going to go 25 minutes. Um, I think Bilal's got better wrestling, so maybe if he th throws in those takedowns, puts Leon on his back, but 
I was just watching Leon versus RDA, and he was taking RDA down. I just haven't watched Leon in so long because he hasn't fought in forever. So people forget how good he is. I think it's going to be a good fight. And I did a, I kind of called out Bilal after my fight. And what, like, and I seen uh, Big John McCarthy was like saying it was a bad call out because I was asking to call, get him off of a loss. And I understand. And now, like, when I heard it back, I was like, it does make sense. It, I shouldn't be calling somebody off a loss, but it wouldn't, if Bilal wins, he gets ranked number three. He's not going to fight me. So I was just meaning like he'd be closer to my ranking, you know, and that's 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 all I meant by that. So we'll see. I'm excited. Big John's just poking and prodding everybody these Man, days. He, he gives me a lot of love. So <laughs> he gives me a lot of love. And everywhere, every media thing I've seen, uh, I've been getting a lot of love. So Paul Felder was super happy for me. He hit me up and he said – People were blowing him up about how excited they are for me. And yeah, it's, it's, I'm getting a lot, a lot of support. So it's awesome. Yeah. I spoke with, uh, with your man, Eddie Alvarez about a month ago and he couldn't stop singing your praises. So phone him yesterday. He's, uh, he's getting ready to head out soon. So I'm just, I told him if he needs anything before he heads out, he's fighting a guy a little bit taller than me. So I'm not the best look for him, but, uh, yeah, he's getting ready to go go do his thing. Eddie's like a, a big brother to me, so having his support, he FaceTimed me the day of the fight. It's I got a lot of good people in my corner. Eddie's the man. I've been telling people about this kid for years, and people are starting to see it play out. What a win! What a performance for Sean Brady. A lot of fun options. That Damian Maya option. It's interesting the more I see it. Like, if you listen on to the next one, I know that was that, that was thrown out there a couple times. I didn't love it at first because it's a risky fight. And if you're going to continue to build these contenders and prospects, Damian Mai is a scary proposition because he can submit anybody on any given night. Like, anybody in at 170 pounds right now, he could do, he could do it. But the more I think about it, the more I'm intrigued by it. And hearing Sean Brady talk about it, it's interesting. I'd love to. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I kind of want to see how it plays out. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but I'm down. I'm in for it. So either way, a lot of options for Sean Brady, especially in this division. And uh, congratulations to him on another big win. As we get ready to put a bow on this week's edition of What the Heck. One more big winner from UFC 259 coming up in a matter of moments. But uh, just wanted to thank all of you for watching the program this week. This is episode number 49. 50 shows in the books once we get to next week. Just crazy. It'll be one year with MMA fighting coming up the week after that. March 23rd will be one year I've been with this amazing team, and it's just been wild. I can't believe it's been a year already. Things have just flown by, even with the pandemic. It's wild, but uh, we're just getting started here. Like, a lot of work to do. No doubt about it, to get this where I think it could be, but uh, for all you hardcores out there who have been there since day one, it means a lot, so thank you very much. Big shout-out to Casey Lydon, my hero, the production wizard. He's the one that makes this thing happen on the ones and twos, makes this thing look as good as it looks, makes me look as average as I look, but makes the show roll smoothly. I appreciate that very much. He's the man. Jose Young's cool Alex and the graphics and the social stuff all the time. You all rock. And uh, that's that. We're going to leave you with my chat with the number 10 ranked flyweight in the world coming off his unanimous decision win over Jordan Espinoza on Saturday night at UFC 259. Mr. Tim Elliott. Enjoy that conversation. And as always, have a heck of a week, everybody. 
All right, if there's a way to describe this man's performance on Saturday at UFC 259, I tend to go with workmanlike. A dominant unanimous decision win for Tim Elliott over Jordan Espinoza. Two straight victories for Mr. Elliott. Great stuff. Tim, good to see you, man. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Still up here in Vegas, hanging out, trying to get my house ready for rent. There you go. Adulting is is tough, man. It's that's what we got to do. (laughs) I'll tell you what, man. You have had a lot of crazy fights great finishes and victories in your career. I got to tell you, I think from top to bottom, this was the best performance of your career in terms of like mixed martial arts and staying patient and like staying within yourself. This was a great showing for you, man. Are you as impressed with your performance as I am and a lot of other people are? Uh, I wasn't super happy with it. Uh, uh, James Krause said the same thing, though. He said my best performance today. Like, he's trained with Jordan in the past. He knows how good he is. Uh <sighs> I'm just I'm I'm almost never satisfied with with my fights, um, but I've had some some issues in the past where like I just want to do all this crazy stuff and be so oh shit and be so exciting and uh fuck I lost the back of Gina's phone. <laughs> Hold on one second. But I've just I've wanted to really work on being exciting and stuff and uh it it made it oh, fuck it made it almost impossible to uh, to stay consistent. Um, and uh consistency is key and in this fight i was able to do that the whole time i stuck with the game plan um a game plan that we had worked for a long time and uh james actually changed twice in the fight so uh i'm just lucky enough to have a coach like him that can pick up on those those different things that uh, i'm not even able to recognize and he can he can see it and i can make those adjustments in between rounds and if i can keep doing that i can keep winning yeah, I mean, I was curious because, like, when you fight a certain way for so long, like, you're so fast and furious in that exciting style. I mean, it has to be a challenge at this point to, like, turn that gear off, right? But it seems like you said, like, over these last couple of fights, you've done that, and James has been a great influence on that. How would you describe that transition? I, it's just – it's it's doing less almost. I, I would overdo things. I'll go in. I'll work my ass off to get a takedown, and then I'll work my ass off to pass or get to mount, and then I would do that. And then I would scramble somehow to get on bottom and I would have these 50-50 reversal flops and, and now I would go from winning to being on bottom and then I had to do extra work to get up and, and undo the shit that I did to myself. And uh, so it's just doing less, like going and getting the takedown and then once I'm in a dominant winning position, stay winning. Like and James is like, you always get in a hurry to, to stop winning. Like you, you did the work to get on top. Like it's not my duty to uh, be exciting for both of us. Like if, if I get the guy down, it's not my duty to let him get up so I can take him down again. It's, it's on him to, to do that. And uh, that's what makes a guy tired. And that's what uh, it works to my style, even though it's not exactly what I want to be doing. It, it still it adheres to my style in the sense that I'm controlling and still having fun because winning is fun. So, uh, you know, you want to you want to be exciting or do you want to be consistent and win? And uh, I'm going to always have that little exciting factor. But at the same time, I need to, like, add some of that, like, winning, winning, you know, James Krause shit. And uh, I'm able to do that. I, I trust the guy, so he's easy to listen to. I'm, I'm a soldier. I'm not – I shouldn't be in charge of anything. But if you tell me what to do, uh, I can take orders well. I can do anything if I have uh, somebody standing over me telling me what to do and how to do it. And James has no problem being that guy. Yeah, I felt like you guys, like, shared a brain on Saturday, you know? Like, you were in tune with everything he said. But at the same time, like – it was still very personalized instruction. Like he still, in a way, let you be you, 
even like when you got cut in the third round, like when he told you to like bleed on his face, you just flowed right into it. Almost seemed like that's like almost exactly what you were thinking in a weird way. Like, can you explain like that, that moment, that flow you guys have that zone that you just seem to be in with each other at certain points? Yeah, man, it's, uh, again, I think it's trust. Like I've, I, I haven't had control of anything this whole entire camp. Like I, when I got to Kansas city first, it was just, Hey, come down for two weeks, get ready for the Benoit fight. We don't have a lot of time. I came down and I was like, yeah, I'm going to come back and forth through my camps. And James was like, no, you're not. He's like, either you're going to come down here and you're going to be on the team or you're not going to come here. And so like, of course I, I moved there. And as soon as I got there, I drove from Las Vegas to Kansas city. I got to Kansas city at time for 10 o'clock practice. And when I went into 10 o'clock practice, James was like, this is your schedule. These are the practices I want you to do. This is the strength and conditioning days. These are when you show up for your privates and this is your nutritionist. This is who you're working with now. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, perfect. No problem. So I had, I had everything structured and laid out for me to win this fight. And, uh, all that comes with trust. And then twice during the fight, uh, the game plan changed. We worked staying left-handed the whole time, Southpaw trying to shut down his jab hand. Um, and we worked not shooting open mat takedowns, putting him up against the wall and taking him down up against the wall. In between the first and second round, James was like, yo, the wall shit's not working. I want you to take an open mat takedown. So right away in between first and second round, bam, open mat takedown, I'm on top. In between the second and third round, he says, hey, we need you to close your stance. You've been saying southpaw, that head kick's coming. That's the only way he can beat you now is a knockout, something crazy. So I need you to close the stance, turn to right-handed, and, and fight from there. And still with your open mat takedown. Made that adjustment, got the takedown right away. Uh, it's, it's so easy to do what he says because you know that he knows what he's talking about, not just as a coach, but as an athlete, he's, he's the hardest working guy in MMA. He's coaching, uh, uh, he's training, he's, he's a dad, he's a husband, like he, he does it all. And like, he's, he's the ruler in the gym and, and everybody looks up to him and everybody stays in line. And, and it, the, it's just, it's a culture there. Like we're a bunch of soldiers following our captain into battle. And it's, it's no problem for all of us to like, just get the reins over and let him take the wheel. This sport in particular, it's kind of hard to find somebody you can trust like that, right? Like you've been at this for a while and I'm sure you've had great relationships in the past, but to like, you know, put your trust in somebody like this and have it sort of reciprocated, that's got to be a freeing feeling at this point in in your career, is it not? It's so freeing and it's, it's not easy. Like you said, that's, that's a lot putting, I mean, I'm putting my career, um, and everything, not only that, like we moved out of a place that we loved and a city that we loved with a team that we loved down here in Vegas and coaches that we loved. And, um, it couldn't have been a better, smarter move for us. Like we're, we're, we're with somebody that that's, it, it's the proof is in the pudding. Like he's, we're seeing the work, not just with us, like guys like Jeff Molina, when I left Kansas city, Jeff Molina was, I don't even know how many fights he had, but now Jeff Molina is one of the baddest dudes on the planet. Like that dude tears me up in practice like there's some days in the gym there's five or six flyweights in there several professionals but even the amateurs some days i'll go in there and i'm the fourth or fifth or sixth best guy in there and like it was hard for me at first to go in there and have that happen and then closer to the fight that it happens i'm like good man if if i'm the best little guy in the gym then it's time to like find other guys to come in or have to bring little guys in and uh our little group of guys is so good that it just alternates who's better that week, who's better the next week. And, uh, you know, rarely am I the best guy in there and it's, it's awesome. 
Jordan is a talented guy. Like he's been trying to break out for a while now, but it just hasn't happened for him despite being a great athlete and having a lot of skill. Just putting it all together is a very different thing altogether in this sport. I mean, just how it is. I know he used to train at Glory and and James worked with him, but had you trained with Jordan before? I never have. And honestly, when the the fight first got brought to me, uh, he was training with James and I called James like, yo, I'm thinking about fighting this guy. And James was like, oh, he's here training with me. So I asked for the fight and the fight was as far as I knew it was going to go through and then it didn't happen. So I assumed he, you know, just turned it down. And then when I went to train with James after the Benoit fight, he was like, yo, we're going to go after this kid again. And I was like, well, if he's going to come here and train, like, I don't need to fight him. Like, I'd rather have him as a training partner. And James was like, no, nah, he had his chance to come here and train and, and that's a good fight for you. So, um, I feel like I had some insight. I had a bunch of guys that had already trained with him. Um, you know, he was in Kansas City for a while. The other coaches worked with him a little bit. And, uh, you know, everybody has the opportunity to come train with James Krause. And it, for me, I feel like it's a cheat code. Having my manager and my coach is almost a cheat code in the game because we automatically get respect and I get put on the level because he's on the level. So, like, just trickle down from him, like, my life is going better and Gina's life is going better. And, and we're both winning fights now and uh, it's not a coincidence and it's we just we had to give up everything and change everything in order for that to happen and, and it's anybody can do that it's just it's hard it's hard to risk everything you know on on a coach I've I've done it before I did it with Robert Follis in the past and then the guy killed himself so uh, once before I had already moved away from a coach that I loved to go train with a guy and I gave up everything to go train with the guy and then he committed suicide and it was it took a long time for me to get over that and like, and then to give up again and give up a house that I love and move and, and do all this over again is, uh, it was a scary thing, but again, like everybody has that opportunity and you just have to jump on those when they come. And, and I was lucky enough to have a wife that, that was ready to pack up and go as soon as I said, and, and now we're there and, and things couldn't be better. Of course, you know, the performance was great. The win was great, but you get yourself a winning streak cooking for the first time since the ultimate fighter. And before that, in terms of like fights actually counting on your record since you were in Titan FC. And I remember that run you went on there. How does it feel to like have a couple of wins under your belt, like consecutive victories? Like you said, it's new to me. I've never really put a streak together in the UFC. And I think that had to do like a little bit with the betting odds. If you look at consistency has not been there. So, uh, but that was always consistency with, with what was going on in my day-to-day life that affected my fighting. Now the consistency is I'm training. All, I, well, I have a set schedule. I know exactly what I'm going to be doing for the whole camp. I knew exactly what I was going to be doing every single day. There wasn't a day where I was like, oh, what am I going to do today? I didn't have that. I knew what I was going to do. Um, and it made it easy come fight night. Like I didn't have to think about anything. I just had to listen and, and do what I'd already been doing. So uh, it just everything just takes care of itself if you're doing the right thing and staying consistent. And and I'm doing that now. And that's, you know, like I said, I'm getting older, uh, but I'm getting smarter and uh, I'm getting better. And, and that's a problem for a lot of these little guys. The one sort of unfortunate thing about the fight is the win isn't the big story, Tim. Like it, it's what happened at the end of the second round, the words you had for him. And we're not going to like get into specifics here because you yeah. explained yourself in the media scrum. I did have a couple of questions. Like, firstly, like, does it kind of suck that the story isn't about the win, but about 25 seconds in the second round? It, it does. And like I said, the worst part about it is, for, is that like the fight's not being talked about, but the fight wasn't for me, the fight wasn't the, uh, it wasn't the banger that I really wanted, but that's, that's not on me that it takes two guys to fight. And, uh, a big part of it was, is 
I lost my cool because I wasn't performing how I really wanted to. The things that I really wanted to work that I'd been doing this camp weren't really working and I was getting frustrated and I already had a little bit of bad blood toward the guy. I don't like him, um, which is not new for me either. Usually I'm friends with the guys that I fight and definitely friends after we fight. But, uh, with this one, I just, there was something there and, uh, I lost, I lost my temper and I took him down and I was talking shit, but that was meant like between him and I, I was, I wasn't trying to blast the guy. I just wanted to let him know that I knew and get in his head and, and punish him a little bit. Um, but it sucks that that's what's being talked about. And, uh, you know, that's not my place. I'm not the guy, you know what I mean? I, I want to be the, the company guy that the UFC can call to, to come in and fight and make weight, uh, keep his mouth shut and do his job and then let it go and then go home and come back and do it again, you know, the next week. And I think I've been that guy in the past and, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't shadow, shadow me out and, and I can still be that guy for the UFC. I feel like, um, people make mistakes and, uh, I'm, I'm no different than anybody else, but 15, 20 fights in the UFC, I haven't made very many and I've never caused the, the promotion, any kind of embarrassment or, or shame. And, uh, you know, I'm, I stand by all that and I'm, I'm proud of what I've done for, in this company. Yeah. I mean, it's a fight. Things happen in the heat of battle. I get, it. Can, can I ask you what like the beef was before all of this? Like what, what was the issue you guys, you had with him? I received a couple different messages from people and like, just saying like, Oh, this guy's not a good guy. And then, uh, he also trained with with some of the guys in Kansas City, and and uh, there's just rumors going around about how he trains with girls and, and things that he does. And uh, I'm a guy, I'm a little guy. I train with girls all the time. My fiance, she fights in the flyweight division. I have a daughter. Um, I just kind of lost my cool thinking about all those things, and and that just shows my head wasn't in the fight. That's not things I should be thinking about during the fight. I got to focus on you know fighting and winning and doing my job. But uh, again, it's just. I'm a guy who's surrounded by women that I love and, uh, and I just lost my temper. Uh, but I still get messages. People say things on the internet, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't really take it for truth. And, uh, that that's on me. I, I made a, a hash or a rash decision to, to talk when I shouldn't have. And, um, you know, it's, it's something I'm gonna have to deal with and figure out. But again, I was upset and there's nothing I can do about it now. Yeah. Last thing on this. And again, we're not going to talk about anything specific, but like you said, you probably get messages all the time from fans and people. And for some, there was like one message in particular that was kind of like the, the standout. Do you just wish like you never looked at it, like you deleted it or just kept it where it was? I mean, the thing is, is whether you win or lose or talk shit or don't talk shit, every single fight I get, you get the same thing as like people saying, Oh, great job. Or you suck. Or, and the, the bad part about with this one is I think that it upset some of his fans. So I'm getting like messages talking about my daughter and, and my fiance and stuff. Uh, but again, I, I don't, I don't try to pay too much attention to it at the end of the day. I'm, I'm here to fight and win fights and uh, I got the win and, and I wish that was the story, but it's not. And all I can do is, is make the next one, you know, the story can be about the fight. And, uh, I got my fiance coming up next, so I have plenty to occupy my time. Yeah, and James is going to be pr- pretty busy too over the next few weeks, right? I mean, <laughs> always, man, he's, always. He's, it's like he's in Vegas every Saturday. Yeah, well, he doesn't even take his luggage and shit home now. He just leaves it here at the hotel. <laughs> so, he keeps his same room. That's so crazy, man. Um, have you spoken at all with Jordan since Saturday, or is there just nothing to say to him at this point? No, we don't talk. If I mean, if he wants, if he wanted to call and have a conversation, we could. Um, I'm still getting messages from people 
saying like he's a bad guy and stuff. But the thing is, like, it's not my place. I don't really care. I, it's all I can do to worry about my own problems. And I have plenty, uh, plenty of things that I'm not proud of that I've done. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to raise a, a five-year-old daughter to, you know, be a respectable human being. And, and I have to hold myself to a higher standard and I have to show her that level of respect. And, and, you know, me talking on the TV and, and cursing to where she could hear, you know, she watches my fights. So that's not something I want her to see out of me or think that that's, that's who I am. Um, you know, whether he did what he did or, or didn't like, I have to control what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lesson to be learned there for, for myself and for my daughter and for my family and for my team and my coaches. And, uh, I'm, I'm still learning in this sport and, and no, Saturday was no different. Well said. Um, so where do we go from here, Tim? I mean, you jump up two spots in the rankings. You're in the top 10 again at 125. No shortage of, ex- of exciting matchups out there for you. You got a, there's a fun flyweight bike coming up on Saturday with uh, Mateus Nicolau and Manel Cape. Kai Car France got a good win on Saturday. Just so many 25ers out there. What kind of sticks out to you in terms of your next move, time frame, et cetera? Man, as far as time goes, I'm good to go, uh, minus Gina's fight. But uh, you're right. There's some there's some good fights coming up. Everybody in the division right now is good. There's no there's no like lingers hanging around. All those guys already got fired. So it's it's a bunch of killers. And being in the top ten doesn't really mean anything. The the that Manuel Manuel Cape, like that dude's a gangster. Uh, Kai Care France, like there's so many good exciting fights. But those are the ones I want. I want the exciting ones. I I feel like this fight wasn't wasn't a great stylistically exciting matchup but i think kai care france would be you know he's he's not going to stay down when you take him down he's going to get up and try to knock my head in and i do better with with guys like that when i'm getting when i'm getting hit a little bit and getting pushed backwards a little bit uh it brings the best out of me so guys like that or or bonus money guys and and that's what i really like so if i could get my ideal matchup it would be kai care france the weekend after gina's fight oh that's that'd be a badass fight of course uh the, the title's back on the line in june the rematch between figueredo and moreno and you've been in there with figgy smalls before but the first fight was absolutely tremendous so you know from a fan's perspective do you see the rematch going any differently did, did you see things that maybe would lead you one way or the other Man, I don't know. With those two, they're so good. Uh, I told my dad after the Ultimate Fighter, Brandon lost the first fight on the Ultimate Fighter, so I kind of gravitated toward him and like trying to use him as a partner because he was already out of the show. I knew he was good. Uh, yeah, I called my dad right when the show let out, and I was like, this kid is going to be the champion of the world. I kid you not, the 16th seed on my season of the Ultimate Fighter will be the champion of the world. And uh, I still stand by that. I still believe that. Um, n- not taking anything away from Figueredo, uh I just think Brandon's a wild man and he's, he's young, he's hungry. Uh, his fight IQ will get better. And I think that will put him over the edge. Uh, he almost, I see a little bit of myself in him. He almost wants to win so bad and do so much. Like he almost overdoes it. And you can't do that with a guy like Figueredo. He's so freaking good. He's going to make you pay. You make one little mistake and he's going to make you pay for it. Um, but I'm going Brandon Moreno on that fight. Uh, and maybe this isn't the one for him, but I promise you that kid's going to be the champion one day. He's good. Such an infectious personality, too. Like He just, really is, man. He's, he's a great guy. <laughs> of course, you mentioned Gina back in May. Uh, great debut at 125 against Rachel Ostovich. She gets Priscilla Cachuera at UFC 262. It seems like the move to 25 was a good one. You know, what have you seen from her? I mean, obviously, you guys train together, you live together and all that stuff. But what have you seen from her since the fight with Julia Avila, you know, kind of leading towards the fight in November? Well, it's the same, same thing I was going through. We just had no organization in our game. And, and she, not only that, her diet wasn't the best, but she didn't have anybody that she really trusted or respected enough to like, to do everything that they said. Uh, 
she wanted to come up here and take like the, the body fat test to see like what was the lowest weight she could go down to. And then James Krause messaged me. This was before the Benoit fight. And he was like, dude, give me two months with Gina and just, just give me two months. And like, and you guys can leave if you guys don't like it. And she came down there and I talk about my camp and the organization that I went through. My camp wasn't nothing like Gina did a 15 week training camp where she dieted the whole time. James said the, the hardest schedule that he'd ever put on any of his pro fighters. Gina didn't lift a weight or do a single crunch and had it had an eight pack. Um, but she trusts James. She's seen what he's doing is working. She saw it work for me. I had two weeks to get ready for the Benoit fight. And when the Benoit fight got brought up, I wasn't excited about it. I, I trained with him before the both times Benoit and I sparred. I think he dropped me with body shots in the second round. So like when this fight came up, I was kind of like, Oh shit, you know, this guy, this guy put the hammer on me. And I told James that, uh, but James was like, yeah, I got two weeks. We, we got it. No problem. And, uh, you know, I just, I trust him and I listen, but, but what Gina did was amazing. Like I can talk about my camp all day. I could not have done what quality of life, man. I'm trying to still have a beer and, you know, smoke some weed if I want to not Gina. She didn't do, she didn't eat a cookie. She didn't have a bite of anything that wasn't on the diet. She didn't miss a single practice. Uh, hers, her camp was again, like I wouldn't want to do it because my quality of life would be, I wouldn't be happy. Like it was, it was nothing short of amazing what she did in her camp. And, uh, I just, I feel like my old ass couldn't do that, but you know, she did what James said and it, it paid off. And now she doesn't have to do a 15 week skill building training camp. She's already knows James system. Like all we have to do is train to beat Priscilla. And, and I think that, uh, that she'll be put in a good spot to do that. It's gotta be pretty inspiring to watch all that play out. 15 weeks of all that. You must've been, she must've man. fired you right up. It, and it was, well, man, I was like bitching about my camp. Like, Oh, I'm tired and shit. And then like have James and Gina look at me like, man, you don't know shit. <laughs> that's crazy man i'm I'm actually going to be speaking with uh one of your teammates right after this grant dawson who's fighting next saturday uh how's he looking man i know he's going up to 55 but i feel like the frame's perfect for him how's he looking right now man he's he's a problem like it's going to take a very special uh a special person to beat grant like you can't just be good and beat grant dawson you know what i mean you have to have either crazy crazy knockout power crazy crazy jujitsu he's just he is so like well-rounded and good and i think i think him making 45 was taking away from him i don't think he was able to really perform how he should um at 145 i think the weight cuts took too much out of him they took too much time in his camp to get down to weight and uh, at 55 he's not going to have those problems and and he he'll fill right into it i promise you he's going to be a big 55er and uh he's a problem in in this division he really is the performance was amazing, man. I know you're may not be as impressed as a lot of other people. I even spoke to Laura Sanko the other day and she said the same thing. She thought your performance stuck out, you know, more than a lot of people. So, uh, I thought it was one of your best. She felt the same way. James obviously felt the same way. And, uh, I think you're showing you're like a fine wine, my man. You're getting better as you yeah. age. So congratulations again, all the best to you and, uh, and, and to Gina and camp and in the fight in May, man. All right, man. Thank you. We appreciate it. You're listening to the Vox media podcast network. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. 
Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.